Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Creative Control with Bish Khanna. I think that some of you are aware that I'm involved in something called Long Winter in Toronto. It is a multidisciplinary arts festival that takes place from November to March. And this is the third year I've been involved. Uh, the third year it's been going, and I, yeah, I guess I've been involved since the get-go on some level. And yeah, it's independent music, uh, art, film, performance everything there's just lots of stuff i do a talk show called uh, long night with vishkana and it's it's got a little bit of a people seem to like it i don't know it's like a it's an homage to the tv talk show i do a tv talk show but there's no tv cameras really and uh, so yeah i'm hosting it uh this this week friday november 14th everything uh, long winter related begins at 7 p.m at the great hall which is 1087 queen street west and so I've got my talk show. It's uh, I have guests. I have Nick Flanagan doing stand-up. I have Suvankam Tembongsa, who's a poet. And she appears, uh, she contributes to a new book called Women in Clothes. And Bashabula. Bashabula will be on the show to perform a song. And I'm joined by my sidekick, James Keast, and the music of the bicycles. It's really fun. So other than that, it's a great musical lineup. Mozart's sister, Bazaar. Uh, what else is going on here? There's just lots of stuff. Lee Paradise, who's on the show today, I'm about to tell you about him. KD, uh, Alex Lukashevsky. There's films. Untold Noise is a film about uh, Toronto's noise punk scene. There's just a ton of stuff. You can get more information at torontolongwinter.com. I urge you all to come and, and, and go to this thing. It's It'll be good, I'm telling you. Now, as I say, on the show today, Lee Paradise... 
It's a guy I know from his time in the Hooded Fang. His name's Daniel Lee, and uh, that's his real name. And uh, I know him from Hooded Fang and Fedra, and very talented guy, very prolific guy. It was good to uh, have a sit-down with him and, and just find out what makes him go. Because he seems uh, endlessly, just it seems like he has a reservoir of fuel, and he just keeps making stuff, and I marvel at it. It's always good. And so that's what's, the, what's going on on the show. You're going to hear new music by Lee Paradise uh, from his latest record, which came out this year. One of the best things I've heard this year. And nice chat. So here it is, myself and Lee Paradise. Go see him at Long Winter if you're around Toronto on Friday. And uh, if you hear of him playing anywhere else, go see him. He's great. Coming up at the Starlight and Waterloo Creative Control Podcast alumni, two people, entities, that have been on the show. Bad, Bad, Not Good play November 18th, and Sloan perform on November 20th. Starlight is located at 47 King Street in Waterloo. For complete listings and information, visit starlightsocialclub.ca. Hey, while you're in the area, go to 005 Princess Street for a bite at the Jane Bond, janebond.ca for more information about that. It's great. Very tasty. I want to go there right now. stage name of an endlessly creative young man from Toronto named Daniel Lee. Over the past few years, he's been a key figure in unique bands like Hooded Fang and Fedra, and he co-founded the Daps record label. This past April, Pleasance Records released the excellent Lee Paradise album Water Palace Kingdom, and he's been keeping busy ever since. On Friday, November 14th, Lee Paradise performs at Long Winter at the Great Hall in Toronto, and here to discuss this further is Daniel Lee. Uh, Hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Oh, a little correction. It was actually released by Pleasance and not unlike. Yeah, I thought it was two. I just went with one. Cause okay, cool. What, what, <laughs> what, what are those things? Is Pleasance just like a thing that just puts out vinyl? Yeah, they just put out, or they put out tapes too. Right. And or so, vinyl tapes. And what is not unlike? So, is that, a, but are they an actual label? Yeah, definitely. Okay. 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 And then what is not unlike? 
Not Unlike is a, a little label from Toronto as well. Um, it's run by Mark, who's the vocalist in Thighs, and then also Jared Gibson from Odonis Odonis. Oh, okay. Yeah. I so think I, I think I knew that actually. Not Unlike. Didn't they put out a Not Unlike put out a comp or something? Uh, I don't know about that. Okay. I think they just put out like a bit of stuff. All right. No, that's fine. That's fine. It's a fitting that a guy with so many projects has at least two labels putting out the same album. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm really glad they did it. Yeah, uh, no, it's good. It's good. Now, you're a man of, as I say, you're a man of many creative outlets. What does Lee Paradise enable you to do that your other bands don't? Um, I mean, it was kind of just a record. You know, it had its own life, its own personality. So, um yeah, that was pretty much why I came up with a different name for it. Like, it was a pretty personal project, and it didn't fit with other stuff. And it wasn't ever meant to be part of other stuff or, you know. It was just like a a, a solid, cohesive uh, record and idea. So, um, yeah, I, I came up with a name for that. And uh, now it's just kind of a name that I'm using for whatever I do on the side, you know. Well, what when you say it was a pretty personal record, how is it any more personal than the work you would normally present for Hooded Fang or or Fedra or, or anything else? Um, well, those are collaborative, right? So, oh, I see. This was totally on your own. Yeah, yeah. It was just me. It was after a tour, and uh, I was really sick, and you know, I just wasn't at my best, and I was a little stressed out. So, I retreated to my dad's basement, where uh, he lets me record. He's such a generous guy. Um, I don't know how he can stand it, but he's letting us record right now, too. Oh, nice. Um, Wait, yeah, so that's who, where I am. I'm in his living room. Who's us? Um, we're doing a Hooded Fang record in, in the basement. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we've been working on that like the last week, I guess. You say you were stressed out when you got back from tour. Why were you stressed out? Mm, you know, I was sick. Um, we'd done, I think we were like doing two tours kind of like back to back there was like a Phaedra one and then a Hood of Fang one and then we went to Pop Montreal and I was super sick and then we had to play this show at Pop Montreal and then I was like taking lots of Tylenol and then I got really drunk and I had like you know some other personal stuff going on Mm. and then I kind of had a meltdown on stage actually and I was like oh my god I gotta chill out where Um, where did you have the meltdown it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a meltdown, but I don't remember the end of the set. And supposedly I lost my guitar along the way and I fell. Oh, wow. Jeez. I was, uh, just started saying lots of things. I heard it was an exciting show. <laughs> where, sorry, where was this? This was in Montreal. Oh, there. in Montreal. Huh. But then the next day I'd see people I knew around Montreal and they're like, hey man, are you okay? You know, like really concerned. No, yeah. It does sound concerning that you kind of blacked out. You don't even remember what happened. You know, yeah, it's not, I didn't like blackout, blackout, but I just, I got, it got a little crazy. So then I came back, retreated, didn't see anyone for like a week and made that album. Right. Okay. So, so all of that stuff is informing this record? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In the song, and I, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it, is it Amourou? Amoureux. It's uh, like French. Uh, French. What does that mean? Um, it has to do with love, like a loved one. Love. It just means, it's, I see the word amour, I just have never heard amuru. You know what? I don't even know. Let me, I could, I could look it up. No, no, you don't have to. I just, you, <laughs> did you just pick it randomly or did it come to you somehow? 
It's kind of random, yeah. I tend not to think about stuff too much when it comes to lyrics or titles. It's just kind of uh, more spontaneous. Well, in that song, Amuru, your narrator in the song is, is quote, pissing in a sink. Mm. And that, to me, sounds gross. Why did that Why did that appeal to you, that you'd have someone pissing in a sink? Um, not that it appeals to me. Like, I think <laughs> fondly of it. <laughs> but I think... It's kind of representative of where the person's at, um, and it's just like they're so like, you know, gone and wasted. It's like maybe you've never experienced it. Maybe I, I know that some other people I know have where they, just, you know, they're just too drunk, and then they it's just like I can't, I just gonna pee somewhere. I'm gonna just pee in the sink or whatever. You know, it's just sure, sure, yeah. So you gotta go. You gotta go. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay, <laughs> and is the narrator you? Um, it's, you know, a figment have of you, my imagination. Have you ever, have you ever pissed in a sink? Yeah, I've done it. I've done it before. You've done it before. So it was drawn from, I mean, in the context of a song called Amaru, a love song, so to speak, it's a fairly, uh, crude imagery to have someone pissing in a sink. Love can be crude. <laughs> <laughs> rude uh, and rude. Yes, it's true. It's a, it's the lead song on the record too. So I wondered if it was setting some kind of lyrical theme to Water Palace Kingdom. Mm, kind of, yeah. It was the first song that was written as well, so that's another reason why it's first. Okay. So when you go through this stress, this tension that's informing a project like this one, at the end of it, when you come out of it, is it therapeutic? Did you feel better? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was great. This is this is the kind of thing you need. Is this what do you use music a lot for this kind of expression, this kind of outlet to get tension out of your system? Yeah, I used to a lot more. Um I used to a lot. Now like I don't really I don't have time to like uh get away and do that. Um and there's I don't know, maybe it's cuz I'm getting older, but I just it's it's not like it's not like it used to be where it was like a blast of like, oh, like, oh, my gosh, I need to do this. It's so cathartic. Now it's it's toned down a bit more. I'd say I intellectualize it a bit more now. It's more about, um, you know, the aesthetic rather than like the emotional release. Is then that... again, that record's not that old, but. <laughs> no, it came out, you, you released it in April. When did you make it? Um... Uh, that's a good question. In April, I made it like a while before that, at least a year before that. Oh, okay. So by the, by the time this thing, uh, greeted the world, you had long resolved the issues that were kind of informing it? Yeah. It was just, you know, just kind of like a not good place and that's what came out of it. Are you in a good place now? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Feeling okay. really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Water Palace Kingdom. That sounds like it would be like an amusement park or something. Yeah, it's kind of a joke. It's like, um, also, I consider the the record to be kind of emo. <laughs> it is a little emo. Yeah, definitely. Lyrically, it's pretty emo. Um, so, Water Palace Kingdom is kind of like a joke. It's like, you know, it's like Water Palace Kingdom. I mean, I haven't thought about it too much, but it could be like, you know, tears, you know, like. It's like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. Yeah, I just wondered like if... watery and emo, 
But it's like, oh, look, it's a fun kingdom where you can go and be emo in, you know? You've got water, you've got tears, you've got pee in a sink. It's a lot of fluid. Yeah, man, it's, our bodies are filled with it. <laughs> it seems that way. You seem attracted to music that is made to sound sludgy. It's it's pop music, but it's dirty. I'm curious, where does that interest in sort of hooks, but like challenging hooks, where does that stem from? Um, it's a good question. I guess I just like the aesthetic. Um, also, it's good for like covering up not so great recording. <laughs> you know, is, it's is a little it, dirtier. Is it something that you've you is it processed sort of after a cleaner recording, or is that just the way you're laying stuff down? Um, it depends. It depends. You mean on that specific record? Yeah, on this record. Yeah, that record. Um, a lot of it was done after, yeah. Wait, how do you do that? What do you you make a kind of clean recording, and then what do you do? Um, a lot of plugins and stuff. Yeah, yeah, kind of boring. This is going to be maybe boring technical stuff for some people. Uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like I feel almost a little embarrassed about it because it's like, oh, that's not real, and you know. So is there is there ever an impulse to release or or has anyone heard kind of the original or alternate version of this like i mean this is what it is this is the way you wanted it to sound but there's potentially a, a very different version of this record you know pre-plug-in no no this is it <laughs> that's it no one's ever going to hear the other thing though there is something interesting in the works um the drummer who plays in the band with me right now he is a former reggae drummer mm-hmm and he's going to be doing, we're taking out all the drums from the record, and he's going to do reggae drums over top. And then my buddy Mike Butler um, is going to dubify it. We did this with a record um, for the, uh, a band Hut that I had, and still have sometimes. Um, we were just too lazy. We were supposed to rehearse, and we were all too lazy that day. No, we were supposed to record, but we were too lazy. But we had all the mics set up, mm-hmm. and we thought, oh, let's just play the set, but play it in reggae. And for some reason, it worked really well. And then Mike put all the dub effects on it, and then we released a whole bunch of the songs just in dub. So um, we're doing something similar with that, with the Lee Paradise record. Interesting. I, we're not I, replaying everything, but we're just doing drums, and then Mike's going to dub mix the whole thing. I can I do understand the dub aspect when you say playing in reggae. Can you articulate what that actually <laughs> what that actually means? Um <laughs> so like instead of full chord, you know, like full chords, we just do the off beats. Uh-huh. Then you switch up the drums. Daniel Woodhead played on it and he played a really good, you know, reggae drum. It's a different style of drumming. Oh, so you've already it's already underway. It's already like in the process of being made or done. Oh, that was the Hut record, but oh, yeah, the, oh, the Hut record. Paradise reggae versions are coming. They're they're recording drums. Like, I think they started yesterday. Okay, yeah, should now, be cool. I think it's going to sound really neat. You have uh, how long have you lived in Toronto? Um, I was born here, and then I've moved away. You know, for small amounts of time, but uh, basically all my life. Okay, so how much of what you do is a reaction to music? made in Toronto and how much of it is a reflection of what your community is up to. Do you know what I mean by that? Like how much are you kind of like, I'm going to make this 
almost an opposition of what I'm hearing, and or I'm going to make this because it's sort of a continuum of what other people are doing. Is it, po- is it possible for you to kind of respond to that? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a, it's um it's the two. I mean, every musician has, you know, not every musician, but a lot of people. They're like, oh man, that sucks, and I really—that's like what I don't want to be, you know. Yeah. So when musicians get together and they have like slag fests, they can. <laughs> there's that aspect, and it's good to know what you don't want. Um, and also the things that you respect, and you know, want to strive for, and you know, there's a certain amount of competition in Toronto. I think, even if you know, even if you don't know about it, it's like you want the respect of your peers, mm-hmm. even if. It's not like, you know, public. (laughs) So, yeah, there's so much great music in Toronto um, that is, you know, you want to make something worthy of that for sure. And that's always, it's always in my brain. So, so Toronto has been good for you on both levels, on a way of sort of inspiring you, whether something's good or bad in Toronto, it might inspire you to make something. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Now you say you're from Toronto. Uh, what's your like cultural background? Uh, my dad, he's from Suriname, mm-hmm. of Chinese background. Mm-hmm. Um, he moved out of there when he was 16 to go to New York and do school, and then ended up in Ontario. Where and my mom is from Germany. She moved over to Canada in her early 30s. Okay, and uh, she was doing nursing out east. And then they met and like, truthfully, I don't remember. He's in the kitchen right now. Yeah, you don't want to. You want to be somewhere just out of Toronto. Okay, and what was your? I know your dad's there, so I don't know how candid you can be. But what is? What was your upbringing like? Oh, um, (laughs) you know, I guess it was a pretty normal family, in the way that uh, uh, it was like (laughs) kind of like crazy. Mm -hmm. Um. It's. I'll say that it's nice. Like we we've all really relaxed now, a lot. Yeah, I had that same. I think I had the exact same experience as you. Like it was really tumultuous. Um, and there was a lot of good stuff and a lot of like really tumultuous stuff. I think like as people get older, um, they just chill out a bit more. You know. Did so. you? Were there a lot of demands placed on you? A lot of expectations as to what you should make of yourself? Um, you know what. Not exact. I mean, like, my both my parents have always been, been really supportive of uh, whatever we want to do, me and my brother and sister. So, yeah, I mean, like, he, he's letting us record in his basement right now. Yeah, and as you say, as you get older, things start to mellow. But, uh, you know, did you have challenges pursuing your interest in art or music uh, when you were a kid? There was never that kind of pressure like, oh, you should do something more serious or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no, they've been supremely supportive. Yeah, always. That's that's good. I mean, that not a lot of people have that. Oh, yeah, and so fortunate. So yeah. when you, did you do any particular, like, art or music school? What did you do? What was your, like, were you just a public school kid? Um, I, oh, you mean as a teenager? Oh, yeah, well, growing up, sure, yeah. No, no art or music school. I went to a year at Concordia for music after high school, but I didn't really like it. It was a lot of theory. It was like I spent a lot of time making hip hop music in high school, so it was all DJing and hip hop. Did you rap? 
Uh, yeah, I did. I never want to hear it again, but I did have a, a stint rapping. That's, that, uh, that's interesting. Did you have like a name? Did you have like a moniker? Yeah, I did. I think it was just Abel D. I think that was what I called myself. Abel D. Where did that come from? I, I don't know. I don't want to, <laughs> we don't have to get into it. You don't that. want me to YouTube Abel D right now. <laughs> There's no like, no, you probably won't. You won't find anything. Okay. That's it's no. Very, it's, what kind of hip hop were you into at the time? Um, like what did I listen to? Yeah, I'm going to guess. Okay. I'm just going to guess based on what I know of you. Um, probably. Yeah, Wu- Kid Rock. You're right. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm going to guess like Wu-Tang Clan, Beastie Boys. Um, definitely Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, what else would there be? Beastie Boys. I was never like a huge Beastie Boys fan, but I, I liked them a lot. Ill Communication came out when I was a teenager, and that was like pretty heavy album. Trying to think of what I can see you liking. I thought Beastie Boys just because they do a lot of kind of like multi-layered pastiche type stuff. Right. Yeah. And I could see, and they were kind of in their own way. As much as they ended up garnering a frat boy audience, like there was kind of some subversion there. You know, they were into gritty stuff. So that's why I thought of them. But maybe that doesn't make. I don't know. You know I've been as cool as the Beastie Boys. I would have been way better off. Well, rap music. <laughs> All right, so Wu Tang Clan. Anybody else? I mean, everybody. Yeah, like I've loved so many different different eras and types of hip hop hmm. for sure. At that specific time, I don't know. Like, were you like into? Uh, were you into like rock music before you got into hip hop? Um, well, I was into rock music as a kid. Um. My brother, he had like old 60s records and stuff. And uh, yeah, I guess like, you know, Nirvana when that came out, all that kind of thing. Then I got straight into like hip hop and jungle and like uh, electronic music. So this is like you're in your teens. Do you remember like your first interaction with music? Like, do you remember the first thing where as a kid, like a little kid even, you were like, whoa, what the hell is that? Um, not really. I mean, it was always around. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of classical music around. My mom was really into the music gallery scene. So she would take us to, like, really strange concerts at the music gallery. Um, I even had a birthday party there once. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so embarrassing. I was like six years old or something. All my friends loved it. Um, And we were friends, like, family friends with... uh, like a lot of composers in that avant-garde scene and stuff like that. So um, there was that element. That's pretty interesting. That's Yeah, that's... it's really cool Like to kind of come full circle and see it still going. I mean, I'm not that, that out there or whatever, but um, yeah, it feels kind of cool. It was like Toronto history. Yeah. So your first, you, you rapped as Able D. Was that like your first experience performing in front of people? No, I was in a, like I'd played in orchestras and stuff. So there was that kind of performing. Rock-wise, um, my brother, he's four years older than me. I, he, when he was in high school, he had a cover band that played like Velvet Underground covers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they did a Battle of the Bands. You know those funny Battle of the Bands mm-hmm. they have in the Opera House where they just get teens to sell a lot of tickets and don't pay them 
<laughs> oh yeah, does that still go on? Rip off thing. It's still going on. It, it's weird. One of my friends from high school who I'm not really in touch with, but he ended up working for them. And he was like, "Hey man, you should get your band to play this." <laughs> I was like, oh. "You mean he wanted like Hooded Fang to play it?" Yeah, this was a few years ago, but yeah. Oh, weird. Anyways, I was really young. I was like 11, and it felt pretty cool. We were on the stage at the Opera House, and I got props because I was really young. <laughs> and so, this, this was like a rock band. Yeah. So we did two of those, and then I didn't play a rock show again until I was like 24 years old or something. Oh, wow. You started relatively late. Yeah, totally. And were you... So we kind of covered this a little bit. Were you... Would you say you were into some subversive music, or were you just going with whatever you, you heard? Like were you were you chasing after kind of punk rock and, and underground music? Mm, to a certain extent, like it wasn't all mainstream. Yeah, but uh, it's kind of eclectic. Like I guess when I started listening to rock music again, I was I was like, yeah, in my twenties. So, and then I felt like I had a lot of catching up to do. I still do. I still feel like really ignorant. So. Um, I'm not like one of those people who knows everything about every musician and year, what record came out and every single obscure band. Like I know more than some people, but is there like a, a main artist or band that is like, that's my band. That's, that's the one that that's the one that inspires me the most. There's been a lot of records. Um, Oh, it's more records than bands. Yeah. Like if I find a record I like, I'll just like you know, take that in completely. Um, but there's been tons. Is there it's an example? Kind of a hard question. It is a hard question, but is is there is there a way that you're playing now that might be informed by anything in particular? Um, I'd just say. Uh, you mean like Lee Paradise or what? <laughs> Maybe I'm just overthinking this. You might be overthinking it, but I, it's a vague, it might be a vague question too. Um, it's always just a mix. It's just a mix. I really, I'm really into energy. So like anything like fast or punk or whatever. I mean, well, not everything, but but most. I mean, at the moment, all I listen to is like really fast dance music. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. <laughs> like ghetto tech and stuff like that. Oh, like, interesting, interesting. That's what I'm really into. Like, I don't listen to much music, but that's the music that I listen to at the moment. Okay, and that's not necessarily music you make. Uh, I do make that too, but yeah, it's not like every band. It's just, just, just absorbing different, different bands and different sounds that you like, and kind of shoving them all together. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. 
So, so when you, you say that you didn't really get up on stage again until you were 24, was that with Hooded Fang? Yeah, yeah. And how did that band come together initially? Um, initially, so I ended up, I, I went to one year of university, I didn't really like it. And then eventually I was, I, I started going to, uh, I went to a one year program at Harris Institute for music and, uh, music and things surrounding music, you know, business and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, then I kind of decided to like really, you know, like this is what I do. Like I kind of suck at everything else. So you, so that the Harris Institute is kind of, I mean, as far as I understand it, they, they advertise on TV and stuff, right? Do they? I don't know. But like they, I mean, I think that they, they're not like, um, DeVry, or, or like Trebus, you mean? Trebus? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Trebus. Yeah, the Harris Institute isn't like that, is it? Harris doesn't advertise. Uh, no, like okay. I don't think they spend any advertising money. It's not like Trebus. It's not like Trebus. It's not like kind of a school where some of us might, you know, see the ad and be like, that looks silly. This is like a respectable institution. Yeah, it's not perfect, but I mean, universities aren't perfect, like schools aren't perfect. For me, it was great. It was a year long, mm-hmm. um, just a year long of like classes all the time, a lot of projects. Uh, they covered a lot of different things, like on the business side, from like booking to management to whatever. I'm not, I'm not like doing an ad here. I'm just like, no, no, like, I'm just trying to get, no, it's good. It's, um, this, like this. legal stuff and then music production stuff. Um, so for me, it was great. It was like an overview of everything condensed into a very short amount of time. Um, and, uh, yeah, they have a, they have, not every staff member was exceptional, but the ones that are, are really good and knowledgeable and they've been around and, uh, they pretty much like donate their time just to teach people. I don't think they get paid a lot. Hmm. Like, and some people teach for free there, you know? So it's, it was, yeah, for me, it was really good. Oh, and, and this obviously informed, I mean, you eventually started a label. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. on some level, knowing that, and you've kind of always, I mean, you've been affiliated with other people's labels, but you've kind of been fairly self-managed, self, self-sufficient, self right? Um, In Canada, yeah. It's and a- yeah, to a certain extent, like if we're talking internet, like around the world. But <laughs> <laughs> Fang has a label in England. And that was really helpful for getting over there. But, uh, yeah, as far as, I mean, we just, we basically started a label just because we didn't know how to get a label and no one's ever approached us for the most part. Right. Like, so we just did it ourselves basically because we needed, we were like, well, we got this record. We want to put it out. <laughs> right. So, and you've had the confidence, you're saying that your time at Harris kind of gave you the confidence to feel like you could do that without, you know, making any mistakes. Oh no, tons of mistakes. But <laughs> it definitely in like it gave like a broad overview of a lot of different aspects about the music industry. Right. So, you know, my opinions have changed a lot since I left that place. Because mm-hmm. like everyone has their own, you know, there's many different types of ways to navigate your existence in this kind of culture <laughs> in the musical and slash music business culture. And there's lots of different values all the time. So you kind of have to find out what you want and what you stand for and whatever. I mean, I feel like you're among a number of younger artists I'm 
observing these days who are very prolific and it seems like you're just constantly making stuff and the practical part of me steps back and just wonders how this is viable do you spend much time thinking about that has it proven to be sustainable for you um i have thought about it you mean like spreading your your time too thin or something or well also just getting a return on your investment of time and energy and and all that stuff just sort of making a livelihood for yourself right well i've been pretty fortunate um a lot of our earlier stuff definitely um was pretty like accessible like the only so it's been licensed and uh to be honest i don't think it would be possible if it wasn't for licensing <laughs> like that's just like those TV or ad companies or whatever just have so much cash to burn. So they give you, they, they take your songs and they put them in commercials and stuff? Pretty much, yeah. That's how, like, that's the only way we get significant sums of money to keep doing this. Because huh. shows, it's next to impossible, like, on tour. I mean, unless you hit a certain threshold, unless you're on, like, Mets threshold or something, like, you're not making enough money to, like, support yourself. Like, when you're on the road, you're pretty much... You sublet your room and you're on the road and you take time off your work or whatever and you're paying to be on the road. Yeah. You know, so it pays those bills. If you come out with some money on top of that, it's like, wow, that's awesome. Hmm. I don't know. I can't speak for every band. This is just our position. So the, oh. so the licensing is, is sustaining Hooded Fang and is, is it Hooded Fang that primarily receives that kind of uh, boost? Hooded Fang and Phaedra, those two, yeah. yeah. Nothing else. Like, everything else is more low-key and not really as businessy, you know, so. Right, okay. That's interesting. And so, so it's working. I mean, on some level, it's working. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's always a part of me that's like, this has to end at some point. Like, when's it going to fall fall away, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, like, there's always that, like, it's a serious fight between, like, how to, you know, like, you want to stay true to yourself and make the kind of music you want to make, which is pretty much what we do. That's like, we don't, we're not going to cater to anything. And it's like, the more you really want to make music that you think is cool, in our opinion, like it just ends up getting weirder and weirder, you know? Well, you did say something within all of this about how your earlier stuff was more accessible and, and, and that's the stuff maybe that has gotten licensed. Um, but I did notice, I remember noticing a sonic kind of shift in Hooded Fang, it seemed to get gnarlier. It seemed to get grittier. Yeah, completely. Like like I said, I got into it kind of late. So it, I, it's been an education for me. Every record we do, it's like because I'm listening to more music. Right. Yeah. But you're also saying that just because there have been a few windfalls, it doesn't compel you to make music to cater to that. Oh, no, for sure not, yeah. But is that not tempting to, you know, if someone's like, hey, we really like this kind of, I mean, I don't know how many songs have been uh, licensed or whatever. I just wonder. I said, I'm just, I'm talking on a rather crass, uh, <laughs> on a crass level of just like. No, I don't mind at all. It's a reality. I don't, I don't mind. Yeah. But Basically, I, it's like, I, I would, I would, there's a part of me that would, I mean, I could just try and write songs for licensing, which I'm not opposed to doing. 
And uh, if I have, like, when I have time and I feel like probably if I ever have a kid or something, that's definitely going to be one part of my income. Yeah. And I have to just put time into writing songs specifically for licensing that aren't attached to me created, like, you know, from a the music I want to put out there standpoint. Right, okay. But they're not going to be attached under a band name that, you know, it's not going to be under our band names. Yeah, so, like, when you see the Born Ruffians in the back of a Honda Fit or whatever, I can't remember the company, there's, like, a commercial where, like, the Born Ruffians are in the commercial. Or oh, Rich- yeah, I saw that, I saw that. And Rich O'Coin is in a commercial. I mean, you're not turning up your nose at those folks. You're like, that's the that's the deal, that's what's going on now. I have no way. And if anyone does, it depends on the company, right? Sure. For sure. like, <laughs> I don't know, SO or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got to approve the uh, the deal, the company that it uh, gets attached to. Yeah. Like, I, I don't turn my nose up at those guys at all. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're, they're making a living. Everyone's trying to make they a living. Make a living, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. maybe they can eventually put a down payment on a house. Who knows? Like, you can't. Like I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. I'm as long as they're making the music they want to make, you know, and they're staying true to it, I think that's that's fine. Even if they weren't, you know, like whatever. Who's <laughs> that's their choice, right? Have we gotten Have we gotten less judgy? Have I? No, just people. I feel like we're there used to be like an orthodoxy, a punk attitude about you know selling out and all that stuff, and it seems like we're less. And you were kind of, the credibility was a big, big, really important thing. And you were kind of, there was a jury of your peers <laughs> that were kind of keeping everyone in check. And it seems like that compromise is, is vilified less and less now. It seems to be just a, a part of the reality. Yeah, it seems like there's been a, a big shift. I mean, there's lots of people out there who wouldn't want any of their stuff in commercials at all. And I can respect that completely. Um, but I mean, there's always like, there's, there's always two sides. Like you, you don't want that. That's cool. If you, if you don't want that, it's fine. You just have to compensate in other ways in your life. Right. You know what I mean. Yeah. And it's totally cool. You know, everyone's allowed to make their own choices. I mean, the Beastie Boys never had any songs in any commercials. Right. That's right. Which I think is really cool. They also had like insane label money. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and they were a huge, huge act. Yeah. On some so, level, they on some level they were, yeah. But then again, they came from like a punk culture, and they they really stuck to their values in that sense, and they always did whatever they wanted. So I have a lot of respect for that. Do you think that the music you're you're saying that the um, other beyond Hooded Fang and Fedra, everything is a little more low key? Like, do you see in terms of the reception of Lee Paradise? Are you surprised by the people who are you know? coming to it and enjoying it um i assume you when you talk about low-key projects you're not envisioning lee paradise being embraced by the mainstream necessarily Mm. i mean it could like if i pushed it more like there's a possibility that it could get a wider audience it's really it's really catchy and really groovy it's just it's just in this it's muddy like yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's too muddy. Like, it's not like mainstream. It's not going to be on the radio or anything. But I, not- I, I like it. I, I think it's great. I think it's one of the finest records I've heard all year, and it sounds amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm just yeah, thanks. I'm just saying that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not even know what I'm saying. I, for some reason, we went on this path of like accessibility, and I don't think that's kind of what you're working towards necessarily. Um, Although I do think that I am. 
I'm always surprised when I hear something this hooky, but it sort of sounds broken. <laughs> I just wonder, and I know that you kind of have deliberately made it that way. It's 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 part of the deal. It's part of the aesthetic, and I just wonder yeah. where it comes from. It's just how I wanted it to sound. Yeah. But is this and and so does this the hooded fang record you're working on now is not going to sound like this necessarily. It's not going to sound like that, but it's definitely like really dirty. <laughs> it's going to be a dirty record. It's, yeah, I mean that's the, the that's what we're into playing right now. So it's that's how it's going to sound. I think you'll like it. The new hooded fang is going to be really interesting. No, I'm it's, I'm sure it's got I got a lot of energy and. I mean, there's a, a variety of songs, but they all have like a certain uh, bite to them, you know. So I remember that the, I feel like maybe going back to the early times of that band, there was a kind of um, well, surf rock. I don't know what to how to describe it, but there seemed to be a, a tradition that you were coming from, and then it seemed to have dissipated. It, you seemed to have found your own sound. Were you into kind of that surfy thing? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. And there was a point when it was like, yeah, there there was that album Toastamista, and we were definitely going for a vibe. Like, I mean, we're not really worthy, but we were like listening to a lot of Joe Meek and stuff too. Oh, okay. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe probably people would laugh at me like, <laughs> "That's ridiculous." No, I think it's like, in, it does but, seem. Uh, it does seem like you're the type of person that whatever you're absorbed in kind of comes out of you. Um, you know, whatever you're listening to or whatever catches your ear, I don't think it comes out like that stuff, but it, it certainly seems to inform whatever you're making at the time. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, it's very in the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's funny with this band, well, with Hooded Fang. It's a, it's a weird band. Like, it started off completely different than what we're doing now. Yeah. Um, and like, there's certain times when we're like, "This is ridiculous! Like, why do we still have the same band name? Like, this is crazy." But on the other hand, it's kind of neat. It's like, you know what? That's where it started, and like, this is really just this weird journey <laughs> that just keeps going and changing. Yeah. And um, so, and and you for you're playing the show this weekend at Long Winter. There's a Lee Paradise band. Yeah. 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 So who's um, who's in the band? Lane, you know Lane. You play in a band with Lane. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, he's so also he plays, he's he's also in Hooded Fang. Yeah, yeah. he's playing bass, and then uh, Colin Morgan is playing drums. He plays in Blonde Elvis, mm-hmm. and uh, Christina is playing keyboards. She also plays in Blonde Elvis and Saffron Sect and uh, some other bands. So you, it's even though you made this record. As a personal thing, it's totally all you on the record. You've you've actually assembled a band. Yeah, yeah, to perform it live. Yeah. yeah, and 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 is that is it weird for you on any level to go from like making this very personal thing to sh- again like I'm trying to draw a distinction between how you work and Hooded Fang. Like Hooded Fang or Fedra is very collaborative. You were saying. Yeah. Like from scratch, you're you're not coming in with song ideas. You're just working together. Mm, I usually have song ideas. Fedra is is different because you know I'll I'll do the more beats um it's like making beats and then April will add ideas on production and now we just play together like we just make them on the spot and we're like oh let's try that let's try that and uh a lot of it is about the lyrics as well hmm. just the atmosphere so that project's really collaborative 
Okay. And Good thing. It used to be like I would uh, kind of like come up with the entire song, you know, um, and then kind of uh, just let, tell people what to play. And then at a, at a certain point, um, it got down to just me, Lane, April, and D. Alex. And as the band goes on, it's way more collaborative. Like, I'll come up with the song ideas and the melody. And then, uh, you know, we'll all jam it together and it'll just take on a different life kind of thing. Okay, so but Lee, Lee Paradise, the band, are you like a dictator? You're like, this is exactly what it's going to be. There's no, that's it. It's done. As far as that record goes, it sounds like the record. Nice. <laughs> There's no deviation. Yeah, like, uh, and that actually, for some reason, I had that in mind when I made the record. I was like, I just want to have, keep it really simple, keep it drums, keyboards, bass, vocals. That was like a nice restriction to have to come up with the material. You know, sometimes when you put limitations on, it's good for creativity. Right. Um, and I was also thinking about if I ever wanted to play it live. And it's like, yeah, keep it really simple. And the parts aren't like, they're not very difficult. It's quite repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's great. We go in and rehearse for like 20 minutes <laughs> and they were like, all right, got it. <laughs> See you guys at the show. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. They're great players. So they just, they got it really fast, you know? I can see how the, having the sort of the dual process of either collaboration or control, I suppose it, it must be, they both must be liberating in their own right to have those different outlets. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So what's you're working on the Hooded Fang record, which sounds already, I'm intrigued. I can't wait to hear that. What else is going on with you? What's next? Um, We have a Phaser record coming too. Oh, nice. Uh, which is way different than our other material. Um, okay. And, well, we have, okay, so we there's the show at Feast in the East. And then at the end of the month, Hooded Fang's doing a little tour like New York, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, Toronto. We have a show at the Silver Dollar on the 29th. Of November? Of November, yeah. Okay. With two really good bands. Um, Moss Lines. No, Moss Lime mm-hmm. from Montreal. They just put out this really cool record. I don't, think um, I, I don't know that band. I want to check that out. You should look it up. Yeah, Moss Lime. What, what makes Moss Lime so great? Uh... It's it's kind of like uh, post punky. They sing in really cute. <laughs> I don't mean this in like a demeaning way, but it's like they have these great French France accents. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and they just learned how to play this summer, but they have, I guess, obviously a really good knowledge of music. So this, they sound like a like a fully formed band, and they just learned how to play their instruments supposedly. Um, it's a beautiful record. It was put out by, I forget the name of the record label in Montreal. It's a really great, small, like, uh, kind of boutique record label. Okay. And uh, also Milk Lines from Toronto. Yeah. Airplane. So that would be cool. That's, I've never seen them, but I've heard their music, and it's great. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, that's so that's November 29th. That's, this is all Hooded Fang. Anything? Is Lee Paradise, is this basically your only show? Yeah, that's it. We did, like, since I've been back in town for the last few months, we did, I think, like, three or four shows. Mm-hmm. And that's it for the next little while. Yeah. There's no plans for another record. I'm putting out a lot of, like, electronic beats under that name for the moment. But 
Oh, and there's the dub thing coming up. And the dub thing, right. And is is DAP still a thing? DAP's records? Yeah, it's definitely a thing. Okay. Um, for the moment, we just put out basically, I mean, it's April and me, right? So we just put out um, kind of like Hooded Fang and Phaedra. And our friend, our friend uh, Ken Park did a release recently, which we put out. Okay. But I mean, we're we're pretty busy, and we don't have a lot of time to like invest in that. So I'm weary. We're both weary about taking artists on because I'm kind of like, I don't know what we could do for you. You know, I don't want to be a. I don't know. I just feel kind of bad to the artists. Yeah, I I understand you know? that. I understand that. And it's interesting that you. No, it's that makes sense. At least you're being reasonable with everyone. <laughs> yeah, like people occasionally ask us, but I'm just like, you know, I don't know what we could do. <laughs> yeah, and so. I mean, yeah, it's just, it, I, I'm, I kind of like, well, you should just start your own label. If you're just looking for a small release, you should just do it yourself. Now, what, so how do you come up with, why did you involve Not Unlike and Pleasance with the Lee Paradise record? I wanted it to be a completely separate thing, just totally separate. You made this very personal record. You own your own record label, essentially. You wanted it to be separate. It's personal, but separate. Well, the other reason I wanted to be like, I didn't want to do any of the work hmm. in putting it out. There's all this stuff that come, that goes into it, right? And I would just wanted to be part of the music only and not have to deal with all the other stuff, you know? Okay, that, no, that's so fair. It was it was really nice being on that side. Plus, yeah. you know, with all your business acumen, you could tell if you could tell right away if they're ripping you off. <laughs> There's not much money involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you knew if there was, you would know. You, uh, <laughs> it's not that kind of thing. I think it is. I think it is. I think that's what it is. That's what I think. Anyway, and no, I still wouldn't know. I would, am not a businessman. <laughs> like I'm not good at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Uh, I want to tell people that the new Lee Paradise record is called Water Palace Kingdom. It's really great. It's available now via Pleasance Records and Not Unlike Records, and you can learn more about it at. What, I guess PleasanceRecords.com and uh, NotUnlike.com. On Friday, November 14th, Lee Paradise performs at Long Winter at the Great Hall in Toronto. Uh, you have played a lot of Long Winters. No, just one, I think. I think Hooded Fang has done one. Hasn't Fedra done one? Fedra's done one too, right? No, but we did a concert at at the Great Hall. Did you not do... Didn't you do something with the... No, come on, didn't you? No, we did like a a big Daps showcase at the oh, Great Hall. Okay, maybe I was at that. I thought I thought I thought fit, I thought that uh, all of your projects had been involved in some way. But anyway, it's it's I'm not begrudging it. it even if you're not, it's great. I'm no, glad. I'm I'm really happy to be yeah to be a part of it. We always wanted. I was always like, when are we going to play one of these things? I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad uh, you appreciate it. All of the people organizing it are we're working hard yeah. and all that stuff and it's been fun and uh, oh for sure yeah. yeah still really privileged so yeah again that's this friday november 14th uh, people can learn more about uh, the 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 series at torontolongwinter.com now uh, daniel before we go can you choose a song from the lee paradise record for us to hear uh yeah um i my favorite is Parisian. i'll go with that Parisian. now why why is that your favorite i like it i like the energy there's a cool keyboard line in it it's fast. I like fast stuff. Yeah. Was it inspired? Is the content inspired by anything that you'd like to share? Uh, Not really. Because <laughs> it's personal? No, I just, I don't really remember. Oh, you don't remember. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fair. This is Farisian 
by Lee Paradise. Uh, Daniel, it uh, was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for being on the show, and uh, we'll see you real soon. Yeah, thanks, Fish. See you. enjoy the creative control podcast and want to support it with a monthly pledge please visit patreon.com slash creative control that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash creative control with two k's you can pledge one dollar a month or four dollars eight dollars thirty dollars fifty dollars a hundred dollars a month whatever you want there are gifts and incentives to pledge but more than anything you can keep the show going There's no other revenue stream for this podcast. I've been doing it for my own fulfillment and to contribute something to the culture. But I think it's time to see if I can generate some kind of salary from all of this work. So, if you appreciate Creative Control, again, please consider pledging a monthly amount. All of the info you need is at patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. 
A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.